You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1265, and it's our 1578th interview. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcast in Orange County, California. As true experts in the field of risk mitigation, investigation, and business protection, Santoni Investigations is committed to helping clients during the most crucial moments they need assistance and guidance. They've helped attorneys and businesses for over 20 years, and their work isn't stopping anytime soon. That's why I've invited CEO Tim Santoni to join us and share more about his firm. If you'd like to learn more about my firm, which is Critical Mass Radio Show, this podcast here, and the CEO peer groups that I lead, please visit my company's website, Critical Mass, M-A-S-S, 4-F-O-R, business.com. It's great pleasure to welcome Welcome, Tim Santoni, to the show. Tim, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's start real simply. Maybe you could tell us, I gave an intro about your firm, but what makes Santoni Investigations unique in your space? What do you do, and what makes you unique? Sure. You know, as an investigation firm, we typically get involved after the, the fraud, the embezzlement, the theft, the counterfeiting, but we really understand the business drivers that contribute to those things. So we really pride ourselves on alleviating those awful situations and then also giving guidance and consulting with clients to help mitigate risk in the future. And I would say that, that one of the things that sets us apart is probably while we're, we're locally based, our reach is really national with partners globally. And in a global economy, we have clients that come to us that have needs through issues throughout the world and allows us to give them access very quickly in, in situations where, you know, they can't wait. Right. Your firm's been in business for 20 plus years. So you've built a reputation, I would assume, a positive reputation in the field. Can you give my audience of CEOs and business owners maybe a, a sense for why somebody might call you? Yeah. So it's a, it's a great question. So uh, businesses typically call us when they have issues with their employees and their supply chain. So their employees may be stealing from them physically or virtually. Uh, they may have issues with their supply chain diversion or issues with people delivering either product or, or funds, resources. Or maybe they are dealing with claims of maybe workers' compensation fraud or issues in the business. And that's the bad news. Other times they're coming to us to get good business intel on potentially an acquisition target mm. or maybe an adversary they're thinking about pursuing. Or maybe to track down and get insight into um, executives they may want to bring on board that are part of another company. So, variety of intelligence gathering and discrete information that help them make really informed business decisions and hopefully mitigate risk in, if and when it arises. Right. And that term discrete is really critical, isn't it? Because you can't be leaving a big footprint everywhere you go, right? Yeah, that's the number one question we get is, is, uh, is anyone going to find out about this? And, and, the, and the short answer is no. I mean, our job is to do... Our work discreetly, effectively, confidentially, um, protecting our clients' identity as well as protecting the people that, you know, as we investigate those that are close to them, whether it's a relative spouse, partner, business owner, or potential business partner, uh, leaving no trace. Mm. So has technology made your business, your job easier or harder? That's a tough question, Richard. Um, in some ways, it's made it easier. In some ways, it's made it harder just because of the fact that it's a lot easier for people to trace digital footprint currently at a right. novice level. Um, but for technologies, allow us to really have access to a lot more data a lot more quickly 
um, which is just causing us to have to parse through and review and confirm because there's just so much more out there. But mm-hmm. there's definitely some technological advances that have helped us. Um, and with those come privacy concerns and other things. So it kind of it's a double-edged sword. We have some restrictions in terms of data and information as a result of that because right. people are con- concerned about how and where their information is sitting right. um, and, and how we would access it. Boy, if we had more time, I'm sure there are members of my audience would, uh, that would love me for, to ask you, like, what's one of the most interesting examples of some of the work you did? But we won't be able to get to that right now because I have other questions I want to get to, which sure. is I said that you help businesses and attorneys, but maybe you can give us a sense for the niche or niches that Santoni Investigations is focused on. Sure. So, Rich, we'll break that into two segments. So, on, on the pre-employment background screening side, really uh, compliant industries, IT, healthcare, finance, and construction are key clients for us in those segments on background checks because compliance drives their world as well as risk elevated uh, workers' comp claims and other injuries and risk, and so they're more inclined to be more careful in their hiring processes. Businesses on the investigation side that that really examples would be um, large commercial carriers, workers' comp carriers, and the the law firms and legal community that support them, Mm -hmm. Um, and because most of the cases that we're dealing with, we're working through a law firm or an attorney in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Okay, so that's the mention of the attorneys is they're actually coming to you to do something they don't do in-house that Correct. you're experts in. They're outsourcing it to us to keep it privileged and confidential, a resource on the ground, and we are an uninterested third party so we can file a declaration or give testimony that they can't. Okay. Um, and uh, attorneys can't give declarations or depots in their own cases while they might like to. Um, <laughs> they need somebody else. And also businesses, to that point, a lot of times businesses are, are – very entrepreneurial and they want to do things themselves like make an undercover buy of a, of, a, of a product or service. They want to investigate things. The problem becomes when that information needs to become evidence in a court of law, um, they're conflicted out. That mm-hmm. information cannot be submitted through a declaration or they cannot be deposed because they're very much involved or a party to that action in many cases. So help me to understand what is it about this industry that interested you or interests you? Yeah, so I always wanted to be a business owner. I think what intrigues me about this business are the nuances between the practical business applications of what clients deal with and the legal implications and how the legal system is always kind of trailing technology and business. It is. And so while fraudsters and the people in the black market take capitalize on those things, the challenge is always to come up with solutions to help the clients, quote unquote, the good guys come up with solutions to, to, to deal with those in a legal and admissible way right. and fight those people off. And so that's the constant divide we have between technology and business that's always advancing and typically our legal system and our you know our, our laws and enforcement mechanisms are always trailing and that's always the challenge. Yeah, they are always challenging because yeah. they, they have to catch up through precedent and and figuring it out through law. Exactly. Cases. Exactly. And it's, it's by the very nature of the way it's constructed. Okay. Exactly. So I know that your firm quite successfully leverages the use of content to promote your brand and I would assume attract clients. You, I mean, you have a solid presence on all the major social sites that I've checked out, and you even have your own channel, right? And on YouTube. And I'm wondering if you could explain as a business owner to other business owners who might be listening today or in the future as a podcast your strategy and the results you've gotten from creating content designed to educate and inform. Yeah, so um, we've really devoted a lot of time and resources to creating content on different platforms. And I wouldn't say that we're perfect in any way, but we try to be cross-content and ver- very or cross-platform and very active. And my goal was to inform. So I wanted to dispel the myths of the typical private investigator to give credibility to the industry, to build it up through education, information, and with our clients and peers and other folks. And also, I think that 
we sell an intangible service, so they're buying us. So the only way for our clients to really understand who we are and what we are is to put pictures and video and, and words behind those things to illustrate what we do. Right. And so video is a great um, you know, platform for that. It's a great medium. And so we, we consistently strive to come up with content ideas, usually driven from the typical questions that our clients ask. And a lot of times in our space, what we find is that clients are afraid to ask those questions about things we deal with because they're not really fun topics. Yeah. You know, th- those bad things that are happening in business or how they're being taken advantage of or an, a situation that they don't want to become public. And so we're trying to remove those barriers and, and make them feel like, oh yeah, there's, a, there's other resources to answer those questions and really becoming educators because I think that's where can really grow influence and expertise is by sharing what you know. Right. Um, and those secrets that we used to hold deep inside our, you know, our offices or between our ears, uh-huh. uh, really working to expose those because we know that, hey, there's people out there going to try and do it on their own, so we might as well give them some tools and, and resources. And How long have you made the commitment to build this content? Can you give me a sense for how long you've been at this, Tim? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I just looked up today, you know, our, my, our first video on our YouTube channel and our first post on different platforms, oh and it's weird when you look back, but I, I would say it's taken probably five or six years to get where we are now. Okay. Through in-house efforts using outside firms, but really to get to a point where in the last 12 to 18 months, we've had a consistent, concerted effort on a daily or weekly basis delivering content. Before that was more sporadic, but we definitely you know, were dabbling at it for quite some time. And would you suggest this is a good endeavor for other CEOs and business owners to undertake? Yeah, it's... It's interesting because my, my belief is yes, I get there's a lot of pushback, but okay. really the, the challenge that you face is that a lot of business owners are c- curious as to how do you measure ROI? How do you measure what you're getting from all this time right. and resources that go into all this? Right. Um, Fair question. Yeah. And it's, it's in a service-related business, it's hard, hard to measure that, right? What your influence impact and how that's converting, right? But I think that what business owners need to understand is that if you want to build a brand and a business around people, those people need to have a voice and they need to talk and they need to interact on these platforms. So just having content out there isn't enough. You have to interact and engage. So LinkedIn by itself is not going to bring you business. Right. Putting content on LinkedIn is not going to bring you business. But interacting on that platform, if your potential clients and referral partners are there, is going to bring you business. So I have clients that have my email address, my cell phone, but they'll send me a message on LinkedIn saying, can you help me mm. with this? Because it's top of mind at that for them at that moment. Right. So you need to be where they are when they're there so that they can. Um, if your clients are on Facebook, same thing. So I would say it, it helps in that regard. And also to visibility in terms of, I, I would say the biggest things that I, the unexpected things that I, that I found recruiting is a lot easier because people can see who you are and what I'm oh, about through right, those videos. They right. know what I stand for, which surprising to actually watch, but people that want a job will pay attention to those and come into interviews already knowing. Uh, partners, vendors, people in the industry. I've been to trade shows and gone to booths, and people come up to me and say, "Oh, I've seen your videos." I'm shocked. Like, That's kind of cool, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that uh, and it, it, it creates a conversation, a level of trust to grow your your, your network, your audience, your your, your business, uh, because there's always already a foundation for it. Kind of like what you do with the show, spreading the word. People inherently know that they would trust you and the people that come on your show because you're letting them speak and talk about what it is they're good at, mm-hmm. and they, they, there's some level of uh, understanding and some level of trust built when they when there's some common ground. So I'm all about peer learning, and, and so I'm going to ask you another question in this area. Would you suggest to the business owner that they personally be involved as you are with the, with the effort around the social media and the content creation? 
Yes. So everyone's different. Some people are better writing. Some people are better on video. But I think that it's important for business owners to have some sort of effort in that process. Okay. Because it's going to help to elevate. They, if they are the company or they are the brand, it will definitely help. But it also is going to provoke them to ask questions of their team and their people as to what they're hearing and speak to those things. But also, that's this is where we're headed. You have content generation at scale and all these things that if they're involved, people that, that are helping on your on your marketing team, if they get one hour with you a week in a podcast or a show, they can break that into 60, 70, 100 pieces of content. Right. So the unintended consequences, you may call it, is that, oh my gosh, it, it seemed like an hour's worth of time, but it broke into weeks or months worth of content yes. for your team. Yes. So if you're not involved, you're going to be relying on the, the, your, your team to generate those ideas which I think would take more time and more resources and is probably less on brand and on, on point right. than if you were involved. Well, and and we're, sorry, we're talking with Tim Santoni. We have Santoni Investigations specifically about his commitment to really a presence on the social channels with content education, which I think is admirable. I'm a big fan of it. It's why I do the radio show. I've done it for 12, 11, 12 years. So, so my question for you is, isn't it valuable to that you are establishing your brand by virtue of the work that you've done. Like you said, people come up to you and say, I've seen your your videos, Tim. They feel like they might know you, right? right. That might right. be a little bit you know, different. Right. It, it's, it's interesting. And also, too, it leads to other opportunities that you wouldn't expect. So speaking engagements are something that are important for me. And I've gotten those just from the fact of generating content because people see you and they come and they're like, oh, I, I can see what you talk about. Will you come and talk to my groups? Yeah. You're, you look good in front of the camera. You... And you act like you know what you're talking about. You're not, you know, you don't have an eyeball coming out of the side of your head, whatever. They, right. it, that helps. Also, you're just, you're front and center. You're getting feedback and the visibility is, is, is super important. And it's, at the end of the day, it's it's free distribution, right? It's, yeah. it's there. It's, and it's evergreened, right? I mean, you never know. So final question, then we'll move on. We've sat on this a long time, but I'm really impressed with the work that you do, and I'm hoping you'll help to inspire my audience to consider this strategy as well. How long did it take you personally to find your voice, if you, if you know what I mean by that? I'm sure you do. Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, I think that that's the biggest challenge as you go through the process is, Am I equipped to do this? Am I really an expert? What is my voice? How, how am I going to come across? How am I going to sound? And I would say that it comes about through active practice, and I think that that takes time. Right. Uh, for me, it was probably a year or two to really feel comfortable in that regard, to really embrace it. Um, and it takes practice. Some people are quicker at it, and some people are maybe have been a reporter or done other things, and they're really it comes naturally. But for me, it took practice, and it took some time. And a willingness to watch yourself, I have to believe. If you don't watch what you've produced, how do you get better, right? It's, I know it's uncomfortable sometimes for people to sit and watch themselves for whatever reason, but I think it's a best practice to yeah. you criticize and look at and get feedback on how you could be better. Yeah, and there's a ton of courses and things that I've done and taken that talk about what what your content should look like and feel like and how to present and how to talk and how to use a teleprompter and different tools that you can use right. um, t- to get there, and it's... You know, it's painful sometimes to watch, but it's one step, one foot in front of the other. You're going to get better with each time, and you're going to look back. Everyone's going to look back at their first show, video, podcast, and be like, oh, my gosh, that right. was horrible. Right. But, if I listened to the first interview I did, oh, my God. Well, first of all, I had a terrible guest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is the engineer or the owner of the station follow up? So I'm just kidding. You were great. <clears throat> 
Can you share with us and our audience where you go to get outside perspectives and <laughs> kind of insights on the challenges that you still face in your firm? Yeah, so um, I, I'm pretty uh, a proponent. I've been doing Vistage, uh, CEO of Small Business Group, for about going on 10 years now um, and been consistent with that. And that's really where I go to bounce ideas, process issues, and get some contacts from other business owners who are dealing with a similar thing and be vulnerable and, and, and get that the feedback and support that I think that CEOs and business owners need. Um, and that's been a great great resource and a great you know uh, experience for me mm-hmm. thank you my guiding principle uh, i believe that the the ceo the boss has a huge impact on the culture of the companies that are on my program and in my community i'm wondering uh if you could share your core philosophy kind of what we call the guiding principles for how you're leading and growing and building the culture of your company tim yeah so i i i would say that it, what you what you what you mentioned is is accurate, right? Your your team and your your clients are attracted and led by the CEO's message. And culturally speaking, I think that what we really pride ourselves on is doing the right thing for the client at the right time. We don't take on all clients, we don't take on all projects. Uh, it has to be the right thing, and we really focus. I would say that the guiding principle is really compliance, and I don't say compliance with. That could be compliance with the law, compliance with our with practices, but really compliance and generally with with the the framework of kind of ethically and morally doing the right thing. We don't take on oddball cases that could go the wrong way, and and nor does our team. And so our team is very aware of those kind of parameters, what they are, and that's really helped us to stay down the straight and narrow and attract and and retain and build trust with clients because. Good news travels fast. Sure. Um, and in the service business, when someone gets rid of you, you don't know about it. You find out about it a long time later and, and, and not always why. So really, it's an adherence and compliance with those moral and ethical things that drive. You know, A lot of our stuff is legal driven. There's tons of compliance. And so I think that for us, that's kind of the guiding principle. And that's kind of where, where, uh, you know, where I stand and, and what my views and those have kind of been adopted down through the organization is over time. Great. Next to last question, I'd like to have you back on the show in a couple of years. Where will Santoni Investigations be? Where Where is your plan? Where are you taking the company? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So I'd love to come back on and share share where I've been and, 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 and what's happened. But I think that for us, at the core of us, we're investigators in our DNA, uh, attention to detail, unearthing things and finding things. But I think that we in the next few years, you're going to see a transformation of technology is going to have a, a bigger and bigger impact in what we do. I think with privatization of information that we're going to be more um, restricted in what we can we can do. I think there'll still be a need for investigative services, but you're going to see things like removal of, of people's information from, from people finder sites and a lot more technology that's mm-hmm. moving uh, data from one place to the other. I think that you're going to see background screening becoming really a, a bigger part of, of what we do. And I think that you're going. That's probably going to within the next year or two. That will probably become our core business, uh, uh-huh. background screening and using technology and integrations to move that data through with less touch points a lot more quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that we're also going to see. We're doing a little bit of it now, but I think you're going to see a lot more of computer-related forensics because of smartphones and electronically stored information. The evidence and information that we used to uncover sat in courthouses and, and in paper, uh-huh. and now it sits on devices. And so there's a continuing need and ever-growing need for forensic evaluation, review, and and technology around that. So oh. I just see us moving more towards almost a technology sales company sure. than you know with an investigation DNA. 
Excellent. Thank you for that. That's, that was very compelling. If someone would like to learn more about Santoni Investigations, how do they find you? It's great. You can go to santoniservices.com. Uh, all of our information is there. If you want to connect with me, you can go to timsantoni.com and uh, be happy to connect. How do you spell Santoni? It's S-A-N like Nancy, T-O-N-I. Well, thank you for being a friend of the program. I'd be excited to have you on for some time. I'm impressed with what you're doing, both as a service and how you're doing it. So thank you for giving me your time to share with our audience. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tim. I'd also like to thank the engineer and the station owner, Paul Roberts, as well as our three producers, without whom we could not do this show each and every week. They are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, our newest producer, Vanessa Holland. If you'd like to connect with me, let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, spelled F as in Frank, R-A-N-Z-I. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.